Support for WVIK comes from Kathleen Collins at the Dragonfly in Bettendorf. Using both conventional and alternative counseling methods for empowerment to help create change for individuals and couples. More information is at KathleenCollinsCounseling.com. This is Carolyn Martin, Talking Art in the Quad Cities, and today I have with me Dr. Claire Kovacs, who is director of the Augustana Teaching Museum of Art. Welcome, Claire. Thank you for having me. You've been in the news a lot recently because of your yarn bombing project. Describe exactly what yarn bombing is. Yeah, I'd be happy to. So so yarn bombing is a type of street art that is that is fiber-based. So it can be crocheting like our project is. It could be weaving. It could be taking other already made fiber pieces and surrounding something, basically putting a cover on something. Um, and so this can be something that is done under cover of darkness and is sort of interventionist in in that sort of way where where people are not planning it and they just go out and do it. Um, but our project is is very planned um, because of and as we'll get into all of the different parameters that mm-hmm. are that are happening around it. So. Yep, the unveiling ceremony was yesterday on the Augustana College campus, and there are actually three locations now where the public can view the yarn bombing project. The first one, again, is on the Augustana campus on 7th Avenue. Yep, 7th Avenue and 35th Street. That was the original idea, yes, I yes, believe, Yes, correct? so there was only supposed to be one, and um, we had so much interest in the project, and we'll talk a little bit more about how this project evolved, but there was so much interest that we expanded into three locations. Mm-hmm. And so the other two locations where the uh, the public can see the, the yarn, yarn Bomb QC is at Longfellow Elementary School, which is also on 7th Avenue. If you're just continuing to head east down 7th Avenue, you'll get a chance to see two trees here in Rock Island. And then the there are nine trees in the plaza of the, the Figgy Art Museum in Davenport. Great. The National Endowment for the Arts grant that you initially applied for and received gave you funding for the tree on the Augustana campus, but the community turnout was pretty fantastic. Yes. So we had uh, – Carol was here. Carol Hummel is the the artist, and, and she was here for three workshops at the end of August. And the point of these workshops was to – talk a little bit about her art and situate this project within her larger practice, and then also to teach people how to crochet and and distribute the packets. And we had so much interest in the project that we distributed all 41 packets that were for the tree in our first workshop. So that was at Augustana. We had two more, one at the Figgy and one at the Creative Arts Academy. And so we had to... uh, figure out what to do next. We The project is community-based, and I didn't want to turn away community participants from working with us on the project. Right. I think what's unique to me about this project is the fact that so many people from our town helped to create it. In the end, it was the um, it's the artist, Carol Hummel, who's who had the original vision and who pieced it together, but the individual components were made by Many, many people here in the Quad Cities. Right, right. So this is this is something that Carol's been doing for a little while in her work in yarn bombing. And so what she does, as you said, is she designs it and then she will distribute the patterns and the yarn and then community members make it. And then she and her assistants come back and stitch that all together. So mm-hmm. it's sort of community community building made visible. Great. How long will the displays last? So it depends on the location. At Augustana, it will be up at least until the end of the academic year. At the Figgy, it will be at least until we hit spring. And at Longfellow, I think it will be up as long as it lasts. Carol says that these trees can last up to four years. 
which is amazing. Now, I initially thought that it was yarn, the yarn that you would use to make a sweater, say, but it's really, it's different material. It's nylon based. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you would not want to make a sweater out of this. I mean, you could, but it wouldn't be very comfortable. Um, it's it's a good sweater for a tree. Um, it's nylon-based, and the reason for that is that it means that the color is fat. It's color fast, and so the color's not going to run or fade in any sort of way. The nylon material itself, which is a yarn, but it's it's made out of nylon, is it won't sag um, as it's attached to the tree. So it will it will stay and be in its its condition. There's some things like salt, so we want to make sure that the trees are far enough away from the street that could break down the material over time and, and speed up the process, but otherwise up to four years. Some people have voiced some environmental concerns, but really this is a safe practice for the trees themselves. Yes. Yeah, so so Carol's been been doing this since 2004, and she's she's worked with a number of different locations throughout the United States and internationally, including the Morton Arboretum in Chicago. And one thing that we've we we know and and Carol is very upfront about is that this does not affect the tree in any sort of way. The the uh, the circles are actually attached to the tree. They're not physically attached to the tree itself. They're actually stitched to each other. So it's like a sweater, and it's at this sort of Goldilocks point. It's not too tight that it's restrictive as the tree grows. If the material is on there for four years, the tree can grow, and it's not going to affect the tree in any sort of way. It's not so loose that it's sagging. The water can can reach the bark and can also evaporate, so it's not trapping water. Bugs can get underneath. Those woodpeckers can peck into the tree and find those bugs. So it's not affecting the tree or the ecosystem around the tree in any sort of way. And when it is time to re- to remove the, the art from the tree, it's just cut down. And at that point in time, I will be re-emailing all of our participants and, and trying to save some circles and redistribute them. So you may not get your circle, but... I'm going to offer the opportunity for people to get a circle if they want one. <laughs> well, I had the opportunity to attend one of the crocheters, and crocheting is hard. It's more difficult than I would have thought. I spent two hours, and I made two tiny little circles the size of my palm. But there were many people who were very adept at it, and the community turnout to me is really heartwarming. The, there are four colors of yarn that you used. Some of those choices were specific. Oh, all of the choices were specific, yeah. So uh, two of the colors that we begin with are the blue and the yellow, which are Augustana's colors. And then as this is a, a community-wide, a Quad Cities-wide project, I shared with Carol some of the logos of Davenport, Rock Island, Moline, and Bettendorf. And so what she did is she picked colors from those logos. So that's where the teal and the red come from. And so what we're doing is creating different patterns with those colors so that we are really signifying community building even from the colors on up. Some people have asked you, what is, what is the point of this? And how would you respond to that? So I, I think that there's it's a twofold answer. So number one, the, the concept of street art in general and yarn bombing is to make you pause in your tracks and, and see something that maybe you haven't noticed before. Maybe you've walked past these trees thousands of times and never noticed them. And, and really to create something that's colorful and beautiful and aesthetically pleasing in the community. So that's, that's part one. And then part two, the reason that I was so interested in bringing Carol to campus and to the, the Quad Cities community at large is because of this community building part of the project. And so the other point of this is that this was all made by community members. This isn't a, while Carol is not a local artist, she is coming in and helping the community create the art. So it's sort of of the people, for the people, by the people. And so it's, it's, it's community building made, made visible also. 
and I just I just think that's great. You had said that there were all ages that showed up at these workshops and the crochet-ins. You could witness firsthand connections being forged between people. And that just makes us happier, I think, in our environment, in our community. I think it's really important to remind ourselves that we're all we're all connected in some sort of way. Yep. So, yeah. Especially now, I think it seems like we have become more of a divisive society. And so having a community effort like this is, is, um, is lovely. Um, our community has been fortunate to have you in uh, here with us for approaching four years. Tell us a little bit about your background. Yeah. So, um, so my, my background is in art history. So I did my undergraduate and master's in, in Cleveland, Ohio. Um, and we can talk a little bit about how I, um, got to know Carol's work while I was in Cleveland and didn't realize that it was Carol's, but coming back to, uh, what we're talking about here. So I did my undergraduate and master's at Case Western Reserve University in art history. And then I came out to the University of Iowa and did my PhD there, my area of specialization is 19th century European, which uh, is not really where I, I work too much these days. Um, so I, I was a faculty member in art history at another institution in Buffalo, New York, and then decided to make the jump over to uh, te- the Teaching Museum of Art, uh, the Augustana Teaching Museum of Art here at Augie. And that's been a really exciting opportunity for me to think deeply about the role of art in the liberal arts environment and how do we utilize the arts to to connect to the community to to make not only my museum but Augustana College as a whole more tethered to the community and how do we how do we engage with contemporary topics and so that's really where my my interest has been my research focuses a lot on social interactions of artists in the 19th century and so in some ways I'm still doing that in the contemporary moment. Correct. Um, they may not have yarn bombed back yes, in the yeah. 19th century, but they found other ways yes, yes. to make those connections. Um, so, and you were back in Ohio when you did see Carol's work, right? right. Roughly so I, a decade ago. Yeah. So it was uh, just shy. It was 2009, and um, I was in Cleveland Heights, and I, I came acro- across this parking lot where all of the parking meters were yarn bombed. And so I was like, well, this is, and I think that might have been one of my first exposures to this practice of yarn bombing. And I was like, oh, this is really interesting. But I had no idea who made that. And so it just kind of was logged away in my memory. And then a few years later in 2013, no, 2015, I was at a presentation uh, at the Southeastern College Arts Conference where a gentleman named Dylan was presenting on a project he worked on with Carol at West Virginia University in Morgantown, West Virginia. And I was at that point in time trying to think of a project where we could bring the community together, that it could be a public art project that that was very site-specific, that was, was connected to our community in some sort of way. And as Dylan was talking about it, the lights, the light bulb went off in my head. And it wasn't until a little bit later that I actually connected that I've actually seen Carol's work before that as well. And that was the beginning. Soon after that, I reached out to Carol and started a conversation, and it took a little bit of time for me to secure the funds to make this happen. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, we're so glad you did, because public art really does help us think differently, and street art itself started, I think, more as kind of a guerrilla-type act. Yes. Uh, you know, it, was un- it wasn't sanctioned. It would just pop up uh, unannounced, but this type of art, which some people refer to as urban interventionism, where people themselves in the community – uh, they plan involvement and they create together something really beautiful. It's it's great. So what have you learned from the project? Well, I mean, I, I think that what I've I've learned is 
is how interested the community is in this this type of project. I I was I was surprised by how much engagement we had and how we had to then take a step back and think about how could we expand the project. That was really I think you used the word heart the word heartwarming earlier, and I I think that that's that's a phrase that uh, that I I too feel about this project. I think that uh, it it shows me that. There's opportunity for other collaborative adventures in the future. Great. Well, we can't wait (laughs) to see what your next project is. And we're so happy that you're here at Augustana. Thank you. Yeah, and I also want to just uh, say with a little bit of wistfulness that I wish all bombs in this world were made of yarn. Yes, we've been we've been talking about that a little bit as we've been installing. Mm-hmm. So, um, so that's a common theme I think at this yeah. moment in time. Great. For those of you who have not seen it, you can see the artwork of Carol Hummel in three separate locations: Augustana College, the corner of Seventh Avenue and Thirty Fifth Street, also on Longfellow Liberal Arts Elementary School on their campus, which is down the street from Augustana, also on 7th Avenue in Rock Island. And lastly, on the plaza of the Figgy Art Museum. They'll be up for a while, and you should definitely check it out. Yeah, check it out. Thank you. You're welcome. This has been Carolyn Martin, Talking Art in the Quad Cities for WVIK.